It is time to get solar powered. This is the Solar Powered Podcast. My name is Ryan Hall from Royal Hearts Coaching, royalheartscoaching.com, life and relationship coaching for kings. And I have to say, I'm a little unnaturally excited about this episode here today because when somebody has a, has a dedication to personal development, to personal transformation, to really creating their life on their own terms, there's usually one or two people in there that's really going to, really going to mean a lot in terms of just your own personal development. And it's a real privilege to have one of those people on the line right now. She, um, he and I started working together. He was my coach starting in the accomplishment coaching program. We continued for a couple of years afterwards. Um, we no longer work together, but she, I still consider her a dear friend and a trusted mentor. And it is a true privilege to welcome my dear friend, Lisa Pachintz, to Solar Powered Podcast. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Ryan. It's, it's really cool to be here and to reconnect with you. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like before we rolled the recording, I was just, you know, we were just talk, sitting here talking. I mean, we both got a, we've go, both got a hard stop here at the top of the hour, but we could probably just sit here and catch up for the next two hours. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and have deep conversations about life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think the last time we actually spoke was at our friend, uh, our mutual friend Alex's wedding. Uh, last summer. Yeah, that's right. Yes, oh my gosh. I, another I, another yeah. transformed individual. Exactly. Exactly. Who is the Democratic candidate for the state house in the state of Indiana. Yeah. I'm so yes. proud of him. Yeah, me too. Me really too. Cool. But anyway, before we get started talking about him, let's talk about you. I asked this of all my first time guests, who is Lisa Pachance? <laughs> well, I always like to start with my official title and then my unofficial title. So my official title is professional certified coach, owner of LP Coaching. I am a uh, life and leadership coach for women executive and entrepreneurs who are underfulfilled overachievers who want a life of success without suffering. Um, and I focus on these individuals because I was one. I was an overachiever uh, that was underfulfilled for many, many years. My unofficial title, title is coaching nerd and lover of life. <laughs> I am such a student of human behavior and coaching and the dynamics of relationships and individuals. So I love, love what I do. Um, it's, a, it's a pinch me, wake me up kind of career that I have and that I've developed. So I, I, I love it. Um, I also live in Philadelphia, and I am the proud cat mom of two cats, and I'm married to my husband, Randy. And we were just talking about living in the pie in the sky uh, <laughs> penthouse castle. <laughs> I mean, my husband bought the deluxe apartment in the sky. Yes, yeah, yeah. We recently became uh, homeowners right before the pandemic started, so it was an interesting, interesting piece of timing because I certainly don't think we would have moved during the pandemic. So, um, God's way of telling me it was time. Indeed, indeed, yeah, and. Um, yeah, and as the cat mom of two cats who haven't killed you yet. 
<laughs> there's still time. <laughs> there, there, there's still time. Like it, it's like I tell you and Randy all the time: sleep with one eye open. With one. <laughs> They're actually quite loving. They attack each other, but not me, not mommy and daddy. <laughs> Yet. Yeah, they know who feeds yeah. them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they don't believe in biting the hand that feeds them. At least I don't think so. Um, but yeah, no. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I guess the first question I have for you is, um, I know that you, um, before you became a coach, you were kind of in that, uh, you were kind of in that corporate rat race of, mm. you know, getting up at, you know, getting up at the crack of dawn, being at the, being at the office and just kind of living that rat race. And there just was something really unfulfilling with that with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I coined the term underfulfilled overachiever because during that time it was honestly, it was a great job. It was a really, really good job. I was a recruitment director for Northwestern Mutual in Manhattan and I had a little team of people. I worked in a, um, in a really nice office that had a beautiful view. I loved my boss and even my boss's boss, but there was something about what I did in a daily basis that had a piece that was missing. And I always felt that way, no matter how successful I was in athletics, in school, in my jobs. It was, I always took the job that I thought I should take instead of looking at what I really wanted internally. And then devising a compass and a direction from there. So really wonderful job. I actually tell everyone, I honestly wouldn't have left. I would have stayed internally and gotten promoted if it wasn't for the fact that I met a coach in my wanderings of networking. And her name is Christine Sachs. She was my first coach. Oh, that one. That one. She was in her seventh month of her participant year when I hired her and started working with her. She was still a participant. Oh, oh God. really? I, did, I never knew this. God bless her heart for working with me. I was such a mess. <laughs> I was a difficult client. And I would get up at the crack of dawn and I would cry about it. Then I would have a session with her and I'd cry some more. And I'd talk about how helpless I am to my great life. (laughs) She couldn't record any of her calls and send it in because it was just so messy. (laughs) She tried. There were several times she tried recording our calls to send it in to get her PCC. (laughs) She had to delete them. Oh my God. But it's, it's amazing. You know, there's certain moments and, and time periods in your life that are so, um, that are so memorable. And even though it was an uncomfortable part of my life, that time frame of about, I want to say six to eight months that I worked with her was, it was such a turning point. It was so memorable because of what I learned, because of how different it was. Um, in working with her, so many things changed, not just what I wanted to do with my life. It was how I was, was relating to myself. It was going from victim to taking the reins back instead of sitting in the passenger seat of my life, getting, on the, getting in a freaking driver's seat and making a left instead of keep on going down the highway. Um, so I love working with other underfulfilled achievers who feel the same way. They're on the highway. They're going they're going 70 miles per hour. They're doing the right thing. They're in the middle lane. They use their blinkers and they just don't want to be there anymore. And a lot of times the, the women that I, and the men that I work with are, they're, they're people who have been in jobs, um, 
corporate or, or otherwise or startup companies and they're like, I want to create something new, something that makes me go, yes, I want to get up this morning and do this thing. I'm excited. Um, so that's part of why I became a coach. I wanted to be able to give to others what I got from Christine Sachs in those six to eight months of my life. Um, Cause it was that I just, I never would, um, I never would want that, that time to not be there. Indeed, indeed. You know, one of the things that I hear from, from what you just said, and uh, somebody who thinks the world of Christine Sachs, it's, um, and sometimes I'm occasionally scared by her. Um, <laughs> as are many people. Yeah, as are many people. Yeah, but, you know, I adore that woman. But yeah. one of the things that really came up for me when you were sharing that is just, and it's really, like, I'm, I'm noticing this in my own coaching practice, is that the people who are drawn to us as coaches are people in similar predicaments in life that they're that they're like the people that are drawn to you they're underfulfilled they're stressed out they they have a great life but they can't see it and for me it's the people who are just really stuck in their heads of you know just stuck in their heads stuck in their intellects and don't have much trust in their in their own intuition and in their own hearts and it's almost like you give them back the pen so they can create the story of their life yeah totally i would assume that that happens when you're authoring a book <laughs> right indeed Mr. yeah author and, um i mean i i'm i, I uh, use that analogy for a reason but yeah on. yeah <laughs> uh i love to write i'm not a big writer right now I'm, well i'm actually planning out um the chapters of my book um which i want to write in 2021 it's called the art of falling apart um but I, yeah, I would assume it's the same thing for authors too. I feel the same way when I pick up the pen. I'm like, well, instead of, instead of procrastinating or giving someone else the pen or having someone else write it, this is actually my story. It's the, I feel like penning your own autobiography or writing your own book, it really is the ultimate ownership, um, as are many other things. Sure. Sure. It's the ultimate in full self-expression, I would say. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, being under fulfilled or unfulfilled is, uh, man, it's a really, really common thing. I think that's why coaching is such a prolific uh, industry. Because at some point in your life, of course, you're going to be unfulfilled. <laughs> Everyone <Exactly>. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And it's why, and even in a global pandemic, coaching is an expanding business. Yeah, actually. So I was, uh, I, I was a keynote for a virtual conference about a month ago. And I talked about the role that coaching is playing, not only in the pandemic, but also in the future when the pandemic subsides. So by 2022, the International Coach Federation says that 78% of companies around the world will have internal coaching. 78% of companies in the world. That's insane. In two years. In two years. That's what they said, according wow. to the growth. I mean, granted that the pandemic probably throws a wrench into that, but still, that's really, really impressive. Um, cl clearly, there's a need for, for coaching. There's a need for people who come 
and are underfulfilled, who can't reach themselves, can't understand what they truly want, don't know how to get there, don't know how to trust their intuition or their inner wisdom. Um, I, and I think it's, it's important. The millennials, while I think they get a bad rep, that's what, that's what millennial workers and leaders are interested in. They're much more interested in what drives you, what motivates you, instead of here's the paycheck, work hard, obey. And that sort of management style doesn't work anymore because we're realizing that that's not really fulfilling, at least to our generations. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Punch a clock, do your job, shut up, don't move up. Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, that is a, a management style that just doesn't seem to have much traction anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting to talk with, uh, with other leaders who struggle with working with millennials. And when we look at how they're actually leading or managing, it's in that old style. It's in that style of, well, I told you to do something. Why are you not doing it? And then blaming and shaming instead of looking at, okay, what's the gap? Who is the person that I'm talking to? Who are they being? What do they want? What are they motivated by? What are their aspirations? And now what's missing? How can I relate to this person? Uh, there's a, uh, oh man, I, I really should get his name. His first name is Travis. I think his last name wrote a book called um, um, Leadership Without Authority. Yeah, okay. really interesting book, Leadership Without Authority. And his premise, Travis's premise, uh, premise is that leadership needs to happen from a non-power dynamic point of view. That, that old power dynamic of better than, worse than, um, student, teacher, boss, employee actually needs to be expunged. That's an old, it's an old dynamic and power play that doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really take into account the true change that we can have. I think that, manage, that power dynamic management style is fine for certain companies. You can get, you know, you can produce a lot from there, but you're going to hit a glass ceiling because there's no room for creativity or teamwork or flexibility. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there is a, there's almost like a built-in wall that you were going to hit eventually. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now I know you alluded to it a little while ago, but um, I want to talk a little bit about just really leadership and 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 coaching and support. But I want to talk about how how badly the world needs humanity right now. Just mm -hmm. humanity, just imperfect, messy humanity right now. And for that to really thrive, giving up ideas of perfectionism, of having to get it perfect to be able to accomplish anything, we just need to drop it. We just need to drop it and be able to shift that as we go along. And I know you have called yourself in the past, and I would say still call yourself a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, my name is Lisa Vicence, and I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. Nice to meet you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be a lifelong journey. I mean, no matter what I do, I think that that automatic is always going to be there because it was such a staunch protection mechanism when I was, when I was young and I was horrifically bullied and I was isolated and disconnected from the, 
from the um, people that I played with on my soccer team. So being good at what I did, not just being good, but being the best at what I did was a protection from being ostracized and picked on and bullied. So that sort of automatic was needed. I don't want to just get rid of it everywhere. Um, so it's going to follow me for the rest of my life. And you know what? That's okay. That is okay. Indeed. It's not the worst thing in the world. But um, to your question, um, the best that life could get for me from that place is about a 7 out of 10. I, 7 out of 10 in terms of joy, happiness, partnership, intimacy, full self-expression, adventure, all of it can't get better than that <laughs> from right. perfectionism. And I think that it's that way for most people, perfectionism and um, needing to achieve, needing to create results is such a, uh, talk about an epidemic in society. We need to get it right. We need to get the results. We need to look good and get the certifications and all those things. And honestly, that's not what people need. That's not what people want. Seven out of 10 life. No, we want to have that 10 out of 10 life. We want to be able to express ourselves and do what we were born to do. And speaking of that, that book, it's, sorry, Leading Without Authority. Um, teams, and, uh, teams and companies don't need perfect leaders. They need human leaders. Actually, Brene Brown wrote an entire book on this, Dare to Lead. Her premise is, is uh, instead of perfect leadership or management, uh, she, she says that what people need is brave leadership, people who are willing to have courageous conversations, to be vulnerable, to uh, be open to not get things right or not know all the answers, to instead of, uh, instead of winning the prize, giving the prize, you know, like giving the prize to other people and lifting them up. And it's, uh, it's something that my husband actually does really, really well. He's a fantastic uh, brave leader. He put, he leaves his ego out the door when he enters his office, does his work, lifts up other people, and then picks it up and comes home. (laughs) So then I deal with it. No, but it's, it's actually, it's been a great experience to be able to talk through some of his leadership dynamics. And since he runs a company of about a hundred people from all walks of life. And uh, what he's found is that his, his employees, all of them, don't need him to be distant and right and knowledgeable about everything. They need him to be human and say, hey, I'm sorry that you're having a difficult time or I'm sorry that you couldn't make this deadline and what are we going to do about it? How can I partner with you? What's the actual gap? I trust you. Now what? Um, I, uh, I also run a coaching group on Thursdays for a network marketing company, um, a group of amazing, amazing women. And um, one of the questions I asked them last month was, what if what the world needs is imperfect leaders? And I had them go and journal about that question. So when it comes to posting on social media, when it comes to having the perfect enrollment conversation, when it comes to um, running for the next the next promotion in their company, what if you don't need to get it right? What if you just need to get it? Or what if you just need to show up? Or what if play or joy was your main purpose and doing the things was just an expression of that? Um, And it's interesting, I think that while a lot of people poo-poo on network marketing, 
it's one of the things that many of those companies get right. It truly is about starting before you're ready, progress, not perfection, teamwork, lifting each other up, um, working on yourself, all of those things. Indeed, indeed. It is like you, is like we know intuitively that we know that there's never going to be a perfect checklist for somebody to tick off of to be able to get to this point in your life. You have to do steps A through Z perfectly. Mm-hmm. Your steps A through Z may be a lot different from somebody else's steps A through Z, but it's, but it's all about what works for them. And, yeah. you know, if I had said this in one of our coaching conversations a couple of years ago, you probably would have looked at me like I had two heads, but, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, one of the things that really stood out to me when you were, when you were sharing that is that we don't, like, we don't need people who are, we like the hierarchy of uh, of things just really isn't working anymore yeah like one of the yeah. like one of the things that i've been i've been researching is i have um researching for a new book project idea that i've been percolating mm-hmm. is a story about mission control at nasa hmm. now one of the things when when you have a spacecraft that's you know on its way to the moon you run into a big problem you've got to solve a lot of problems in a hurry (laughs) now there's always a flight director on standby Mm. but you have to there has to be a level of trust in that room that hey i might not know the answers you're sitting at the console, you may know what, how the electricity is looking on the spacecraft. You may know how much fuel you have left to be able to do what you need to do. I don't have all the answers. So I have to trust you that you know more than I do. It's my ultimate, it's my ultimate responsibility, but you have to trust your people that they know that they know how to get the answers done. And that's, you know, that's really one of the things that I think is, especially in corporate leadership nowadays, is that I'm seeing shifting is there's a lot more trust with management and their people of just that they know the answers, that they know the answers, and that it's not like a final, ultimate, you know, kind of solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to tech companies, especially with things that are constantly changing, one person can't possibly know all of the technological advances and all of the different areas of, uh, let's say, computer programming and software engineering and user interface and social media. You have to be able to trust the other experts because now that the the world is so uber connected with so much information moving so fast uh, with so many new things added to it, you have to embody trust. One person cannot know everything. And I love I love the analogy of the 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 flight control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me yeah, of that I mean- song. <laughs> Ground control to major tongue. David Bowie, yep. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Ground control. Indeed. Yeah, or just the the conductor. There's a conductor that 
helps to flow the the music, but everyone has to know the music. They can't rely or depend on the conductor. You have to be able to know the song, to practice, to basically be able to get up there and conduct yourself. Uh, and to be able to have that sort of trust and teamwork in people is, is really scary, frankly, because I think all human beings enjoy control and wanting to know all the answers, but it's also necessary for the advancement of, of companies um, and especially companies that are heavily involved in tech. Indeed, indeed. So. And uh, how, how has that shifted with you? Because as, as you mentioned a couple of times, you, you played soccer most of your, most of your childhood and uh, on through college. Um, like how has that shifted that, uh, that mindset of, um, of teamwork, of, of how leadership really needs to look? How has that shifted? What, I guess the question is when, when you were, when you were playing soccer, there was always a head coach who made the game plan and stuff and, and ran the practices and stuff like that. Um, how has your ideal of leadership shifted since those days of, you know, since those days of the practices and the game plans and the games and stuff like that. <laughs> it's funny. I oftentimes look back at my athletic experiences, both for wisdom as well as for what I don't want or for why my mind is fucked up the way that it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, for, for a while, I had a very abusive coach, um, not physically abusive, but verbally abusive. So a lot of the, the not enough, the, the shaming, the um, disconnect, the nobody loves me was from those years uh, or cemented in those years. But I had a lot of great coaches too. A lot of coaches who, while they were, uh, they were, advisors, mentors, guides, people with knowledge, more knowledge than what we had, they still trusted us. And they went, hey, uh, Lisa, or hey, Jane, I know you went to this camp a couple years ago. Can you show me some of the drills that they did? Maybe we can incorporate that today. Um, I remember there was, uh, so my, my high school coaches, which I, I, have, a, I have mixed feelings about, um, they you know, while I, I wasn't able to form really deep relationships with both of them, there was one coach that really, really trusted me um, and, and showed it too. And we would have dialogues. It wasn't a monologue. It wasn't a, hey, do this thing. I know better. It was a, it was a try it this way. Oh, and notice how much more powerful your, your shot is now. Yes, that way. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of partnership during certain times. And I often think of my experiences on the soccer field uh, inside of team dynamics. Because um, the way that we operated on the soccer field was, is very similar to the way that people operate, let's say, in, on corporate teams. <laughs> there's a lot of mixed dynamics. There's, there's singular operating entities on the field. Everyone has their own position, but in the end, we're all moving towards the same goal, pun intended. Indeed. So, yeah. A, a lot of, a lot of parallels, a lot of, uh, a lot of learnings. And uh, what's interesting is recruiters actually 
look for people with athletic backgrounds for certain jobs, people who are determined, people who know how to work hard and are, are self-driven. But there's also a lot of mindset work that athletes need to do in order to be really, um, in order to get past any of their own, um, like not good enoughs, which, which was also pretty rampant in the era that I grew up in in women's sports. Yeah. Did I answer that question? (laughs) I did. did, Okay. Yeah. No, no, you definitely did. Um, And as you look back on this, you've been, been removed for, uh, from it from a few years, Um, you know, worked in the corporate world, been working as a private coach for, you know, several years. As you have gotten removed from this, what are some of the I guess, what are some of the takeaways, some of the lessons that you still use on a daily basis with your clients, with, you know, with people that you work with? Mm, From my athletics? From your athletic background. Yep. Mm, God, there's so many. You know, I have to say as mixed as I am about my athletic background, it has made me the entrepreneur that I am today. I would not be able to have the resiliency that I have as a business owner if it wasn't for the resiliency that I developed as a soccer player. Because I played very high level soccer starting at a young age. I was weightlifting at like age 11, 12. Um, I started playing on a high-level soccer team around that age up until I was about uh, 18, uh, 19 when I went off to college um, when we traveled internationally. It was, it was a big deal. Um, so I'd say that the resiliency, doing things that I don't want to do for the sake of playing a game that I want to play. That's the thing that I learn over and over and over again. Like, yes, okay, I'll make that call. I'll do this piece of admin. I'll wake up a little bit early to work on that webinar that I wanted to work on because I want that thing after that. That's the experience I want to have. So I'm going to do this thing that I don't want to to get there. And once I start doing the thing that I don't want to, I actually enjoy that thing even more so. I actually have a a lead, um, a, um, oh, what is it called? I have a freebie on my website called the warm-up ritual how to go from stasis to action when you just don't want to. And it incorporates that mentality. Action often comes before motivation. And if you can get yourself at least intellectually in the direction that you want to go in and say, okay, I know this is going to be good for me. I can't quite see it yet. I don't quite feel it yet, but let me just move forward in that direction. Let me wake up a little bit earlier and go for that walk. Or um, why don't I work on that proposal that I just don't feel like working on? Once you get into action, that often stymies any sort of fear or resistance that you have. Uh, Body emotion stays in motion. So all you got to do is tip that scale a little bit. I'd say that the resiliency and the grit that I developed as a athlete is the most special gift that I can give myself. I got a lot of other things from that, Um, being self-reliant, being a hard worker, um, being able, being committed to something. Uh, taking risks, being uncomfortable. I mean, I guess it all goes back to resiliency uh, and going outside your comfort zone. Um, and there's also a level of excellence that I, <laughs> I've i always been proud of. Uh, and for a while it stopped me because it turned into perfection. But I really enjoy being excellent at things. When I do something, I want, I want it to be impactful. I want it to be right. I want, it to, I want people to say, yes, I got something from that that was worth my time. Um, 
So I could talk about this for a very long time. Thanks for asking. Can, it's a great I question. Can tell. No, no, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's like, I guess the next question I had was when, how much of, like how much of that, how much of that athletic background um, did you have to shift as you became an entrepreneur in terms of that outside motivation, in terms of that outside validation rather, um, mm. in terms of, you know, if you, if you scored the goal, the crowd's cheering for you. Mm -hmm you know, your teammates are celebrating with you. So how much of that was having to shift from a, from that external validation, going for the cheers of the crowd, going for the love of your teammates in terms to a, to that internal validation of, yes, I woke up this morning and I did this thing and damn it, I'm proud of myself. When I get there, I'll let you know. <laughs> it's still a work in progress quite a bit. Oh man. Yeah. Comparison, competitiveness, and external validation is constantly a thing I'm working on. I have to be aware of it. I have to constantly look internally and go, okay, is this for me or is this for someone else? Is this for the ghost in my mind that says that I should be doing this thing in order to please them and be valued and be loved? Or is this what I really want to do? And I'm constantly evaluating that in my business. Sometimes there are things that I do that I'm like, oh yeah, this is definitely aligned. This is what I want. Like signing up for my MCC course, my master certified coaching credential. I'm taking that in, in August, uh, starting it in August. That I knew I always wanted to do. Um, but there are other things like, you know, building out a membership platform and, um, building out a big team as a business owner, then I'm like, do I really want to do that? Or is that something that I think I should do because I see everyone else doing it and they look really good doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to constantly look inward and go, whose, whose motivation is this? Mine or someone else's? And, uh, you know, maybe that comes from my athletic background. Maybe. I always um, played defensive positions. So the positions that didn't get awards or didn't really get recognized all that much. Sure. Um, I mean, may maybe I did, but I had the mentality of always being the, the woman behind the scenes, um, the unsung hero. And I liked doing that. I, d I didn't, you know, funny thing. I used to be very, very quiet. Uh, I was, you know, very, very quiet, um, painfully shy. Yeah. And, uh, I, I had terrible social anxiety. And so I preferred to be, uh, to be behind the scenes. I didn't want to be the one scoring the goal because I felt very uncomfortable being in the spotlight or being applauded. But still, I wanted to please my coaches. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be welcome. And so I always tried to assert myself and be the best so as to not be isolated. And for someone who's actually an extrovert, and I, I'm not an introvert. Uh, I found that I'm not even an, an extroverted introvert. I'm an extrovert who suffered from terrible social anxiety. And so I'm still unraveling that and finding out that, yeah, it actually, I actually prefer spending time with people rather than spending a week alone. Um, so back to your question. <laughs> um, you were answering yeah. a question. I don't know if it was my question or not. Yeah, but the external validation thing is really interesting um, for athletes or otherwise. 
I, and it's, it's something that we, we take from, from childhood because as kids, we, we, we need to please our parents. We want to please our parents. Biologically speaking, we need to do that in order to be protected. If we didn't please our parents, then we would be rejected and die. You know, this is like basic human evolution, essentially. I'm not talking about the actualities of humanity. I mean, hopefully parents love their kids. But um, because that mechanism is developed to, to please people in order to be loved, we carry that with us everywhere. So comparison, needing to be validated externally by other people is very ingrained in us and needs a lot of work to, to shift and get to, and get to know what we want for ourselves. Some people never actually find it. I hope I do. Yeah. <laughs> Some days I feel like I do. Some days I don't. And I'm like, I guess we'll just do this because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> yeah, staying in motion for the, for, the, for the sake of staying in motion, I guess. Yeah, until I find, I find out, is this for someone else or is this for me? And unfortunately, sometimes I find out um, a little bit too late and I go, okay, I'm prepping this retreat and I realize it's not really what I want to do. Now what? Do I go through with it? Do I cancel it? Do I do something else? In, or or yeah or do I do something else? And because it might be it might be the thing that you want to do, but maybe in a complete make look completely different. Yeah, I mean, does this come up in your writing at all? Do you it really find, does. Oh, yeah. oh my God, it really does. It's like it's like I have a story that I want to tell in my head. The story that I want to tell sometimes it just really doesn't look the same when I get it actually get it out on paper mm. it doesn't look the same that I had it at, that I had it in my head and but I also realized this is a lot better than what I had in my head mm. Mm. it's a lot more entertaining a lot better read than what I have in my head I you know uh, the the uh, the great pause the you know the great book project that I'm working on that I've been having a lot of the uh a lot of my fellow writers um, here on the podcast uh, as of late, um, the piece that I wrote for that, the piece that I had in my mind ended up being a lot different than the piece that I actually is actually going to be in the book. Yeah. The piece that is in the book is phenomenal. I mean, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. So sometimes just going in the direction, heading in the direction of what you're uh, what your mind or your heart is saying, yeah, that sounds good. Let's try it out. Can yield better results than you could have imagined. Indeed, indeed. I was just talking to a client about this just the other day about this very topic. So <laughs> it's uh, you know it's 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 very prescient and very appropriate too. Yeah. How did that conversation go? It went very well. It went very well. I can't go into details obviously because of certain confidentiality, but yes, it went very well. <laughs> Our very, I, it was only our second working session with a brand new client. So that's awesome. Yeah. Listen, we are just about out of time. I know we both got, uh, both got places to go here. Yes. But one more question that I wanted to ask of you. Mm -hmm. um, is there like one nugget that you want to leave with our, that you want to leave with our listeners about just what it means to be a leader, a heart centered leader in the world in a time that the world desperately, desperately needs it. Mm -hmm. Practice getting it wrong. 
progress over perfection. I think it's practice messing up and being okay with it. I, I also think it's really necessary to, to get partners on board that you trust, to have at least one person in your corner that you can go to and say, hey, I don't know how I feel about this thing, or hey, I think I really messed this up. What are your thoughts on this? Or hey, I think this is going really well. Can I get an acknowledgement? Yeah, can, um, yeah if there's that's somebody in your life that can give you that kind of feedback, that is crucial. Yeah, yeah, partnership being okay, practicing and messing it up and getting it wrong and getting back in the saddle and keep going. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Oh God, we could, we could continue this conversation for hours. I've, <laughs> I've had so much fun here, Lisa. Again, as I said at the outset, it's what you're, you're one of those people who, you know, for somebody who has devoted so much of my life uh, in recent years to to personal development and to transformation, there's always those people who are going to be in your corner, who are who you're going to remember. Like, hey, you remember when I was that hot, steaming mess on certain occasions, like more than certain occasions. But thank you for always sticking in there with me, and um, you know, thank you for who you are in the world. And I'm truly. Uh, I'm truly blessed to call you a friend and a colleague. So oh, thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. I, it's an honor. I loved my, our conversation today. It was so much fun. Absolutely. How can people find you online? Well, you can visit my website, coachingwithlp.com, or you can look me up on LinkedIn, Lisa Pachens, PCC. Um, also on Facebook and Instagram as well. You can pretty much find me anywhere, Lisa Pachens. I got some good SEO. <laughs> Just that look me do. up on Google, it all pops up. That you are, my dear. Lisa, it's been a privilege. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Aw, thanks, Ryan. All right. And that'll just about do it here for this episode of the Solar Powered Podcast, a presentation of Royal Hearts Coaching. For more information, you can find me at royalheartscoaching.com, my soon-to-be redesigned website. You can find me on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ryan Hall Writes. Or you can just shoot me a good old-fashioned email at ryan at royalheartscoaching.com. We thank you so much for listening to the Soil Powered Podcast. Until we meet again, this is Ryan Hall saying, I love you all. Thank you so much for listening and go get solar powered and wash your hands and wear a mask. Come on. Mm-hmm.